The following is a paid commercial program, paid for by New Life Worship Center. The opinions and views expressed in this program belong to its sponsors and are not those of this station or their affiliates or their employees. What manner of man is this that even circumstance obeys him, even the winds obey him? What manner of man is this that even though it threatened my marriage, I see a path to victory, I see a path to deliverance, I see a path to joy unspeakable and full of glory. What manner of man is this? Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor CJ, Associate Pastor here at New Life Worship Center, and you are tuning in to the Faith to Faith television broadcast. There's a special treat for you today. It is my honor to introduce myself as speaker. This was a word that I preached a few weeks ago entitled Certainty in Uncertain Times. I do believe in my heart that it is a timely word for the season that we are currently in. But before we get into that word, I want to remind you that our prayer counselors are standing by, not only at this very moment, but they will also be standing by at our streaming services on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. That's every single week at 11 a.m. during our Sunday morning service where you can also stream us and that information is on the screen. Our prayer counselors will be standing by and don't forget our Wednesday night midweek recharge as well. And so we want to encourage you that during this Christmas season, remember to enjoy your family. Remember to enjoy the presence of the Lord as we get together to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And last but not least, before we get into the word, I am excited to let everybody know that this is a very special day. Why? I'm glad you asked. My dad and mom, our bishop and first lady, are celebrating their 40th, what that I said it, I didn't stutter. 40th, 40, 40th wedding anniversary. What a milestone that is. They've told me throughout the years about how on that wedding day at Mason Memorial Church on Gulf Street in Norfolk, it was a, a, a snowy day, it was a cold day, December 20th, 1980, and here we are 40 years later and so much happened in that four decades. So we're gonna celebrate our men and women of God on today and throughout the week. And New Life, you know how we do it. We wanna bless their socks off. And so let's just celebrate them and let's embarrass them with all of the love that we just shower them with on this great day. If you're going to pray, don't worry. But if you're going to worry, don't pray. This means you have a choice. 
You're either going to pray about the issue, whatever it is, or you're going to put the issue in God's hands. When my first child, Kaylin, was born, the, one of the greatest days of my life, I, she, she changed my name to Daddy. It was a great moment. It was May 27, 2016. I'll never forget it. It was evening. And then here we are. She was just born, and we're in the recovery room. And then the nurse left, and it's just me and Kaylin, our first little daddy-daughter date <laughs> in the recovery room. And I'm looking at her, and I'm praying, and, and I make my way from her head down, you know, because, you know, you parents, one of the first things you do, you look at your child. You look at your child. And, and, and I noticed that something's going on with her foot. I noticed that her foot is slanted a lot uh, inwardly. And when the nurse comes back, I say something to the nurse. I'm like, listen, her foot. And before I could even get it out, the nurse was like, we saw it. And, you know, we, we're, we're talking to the doctor about it. And I'm like, okay. And so the nurse leaves the room. I put this child's foot in my hand. I'm helping somebody. My whole hand is covering this baby's foot. And a very simple prayer. The prayer sounded like this. Jesus. Sometimes that all it is. Je Let, let's practice together. One, two, three. Something just changed in your life. Before we left the hospital to bring the baby home, her foot was back. It was normal. At the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue has to confess that he is Lord. Can, can, we, can we do it one more time? Say, Jesus. Can, can we say it again? Say, Jesus. This time, I want you to get something in your mind, something that's been trying to terrorize your thoughts, something that's been trying to harass you, so, so, something that's been heavy on your heart. Just get it in your mind, and one, two, three, I want you to say the name of Jesus concerning that issue. One, two, three. Jesus. Go ahead and give God praise if you know it's done. I said give God praise if you know it's done. In the name of Jesus, it's already done. I don't know how you're going to do it, but God, I know it's done. Hallelujah. That's just my first point. Can I move on to point number two? Point number two. Not only, not only do we learn from Jesus' response in the boat that we don't need to worry, but number two, don't doubt. Everybody say, don't doubt. You see, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on the cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? Listen, have you ever felt like Jesus was asleep? Have you ever gone through a storm or a difficult season in your life and thought, Jesus, how could you let me be going through this? You see, the disciples doubted that Jesus cared. They said, teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? Don't you care that my house is about to go into foreclosure? Don't you care that, that they're trying to make me medicate my child? Don't, don't you care that they're threatening my position on the job? Don't you care? Don't you care? But question, have you ever thought that somebody didn't care just because they weren't reacting to the situation the way you're reacting to the situation. Wives, have you ever thought your husband was void of all sentiment and emotion because while you were pacing the floor over the situation, you look over at him and he playing Angry Birds on his phone. 
Or husbands, have you ever felt like your wife didn't care because while you had put the kids to bed and you were ready for some action and you was ready for some loving, you get yourself together and then you get up in bed and you turn over and she got the nerve to be asleep. <laughs> if you ever felt like someone didn't care enough, then this is your sermon because the disciples are losing their minds on this boat and Jesus is on the same boat, sleep. In the same predicament, sleeping. In the same threatening condition, sleeping. In the same pandemic, sleeping. In the same uncertainty, sleeping. In the same country, littered with racial injustices, sleeping. Jesus is in the same boat, but he's sleeping. And instead of taking their cue from Jesus to be calm about the situation, the disciples clearly valued their estimation of the situation more than Jesus' view of the situation. Because instead of seeing that Jesus was asleep and then saying, okay, maybe I shouldn't be so worried about this, they went over to Jesus, woke him up, and then as Jesus is rubbing his eyes, they're screaming in his face, we're about to die. How presumptuous is it for us to think that Jesus doesn't care about it just because he's not freaking out about it? Because he doesn't react to it the way that we react. We think that he doesn't understand. And this is what happens when we take a thought, when we decide to worry. We say, Lord, you must not understand how bad this is because I'm freaking out. And because I'm freaking out, you should be freaking out, Lord. So the only logical explanation as to why you're not freaking out, creator of the universe, is because you clearly don't know as much as I know. So how can you yourself, waymaker, and, and, and how can you call yourself a waymaker if, if you in the back of the boat sleep? How can you call yourself a miracle worker? And we told you a few days ago that your boy Lazarus is about to die. And here we are a few days later and you still ain't here. How can you call yourself a deliverer? And your boy Paul asked you three times to remove a thorn from his flesh. And all you said to him was, my grace is sufficient. How can you say you're a just God and all around me I see the wicked are prospering? And if we would be honest, this is how we sometimes feel. But if you don't hear anything else I say, I hope you hear this. If he's not losing sleep over it, then you shouldn't lose any sleep over it. Take your cue from Jesus and sleep with your head on a cushion. Because having faith in God means that your faith is, is in someone who's already been tested and proven. So, so the next time you're tempted to doubt him, remind yourself that he's already proven that he's a way maker. Remind yourself that he's already proven that he's a restorer. Remind yourself that he's already proven that he's a miracle worker. Remind yourself that he's already proven that he thinks highly of you. Remind yourself that he's already proven that he's washed all your sins away. Remind yourself that he's already proven that he cares more about you than you care about yourself. Remind yourself that he's already worked it out. And he knows you're in from the beginning. So they doubted that Jesus cared. And I'm almost done with this point also. They doubted that Jesus could. They doubted that he cared. And they doubted that he could. And when I look at this text and I see the verse verse, I see Jesus saying, let us cross over to the other side. Not let me Preach CJ. Not let me cross over. 
but let us cross over. As long as Jesus is in the boat, as long as it's an us thing, and I'm not by myself, the winds can come. The lightning can clash. The thunder can roll. The waves can beat up against the boat and cause water to get into the boat. But as long as we're going to the other side, I'm going to make it to the other side. He can. Somebody say, yes, he can. As a matter of fact, if you're looking at this online, put it up in the chat. Put number one, Jesus cares, and number two, Jesus can. Just go ahead and put that up in the chat. Jesus cares and Jesus can. I don't have time to really get into this, but I love a story that Bishop tells. And if I get it wrong, Bishop, please forgive me. I know that you'll probably correct it later. But uh, growing up, he told this story, and it's a story about two twin boys, one named Timmy and the other one named Tommy. And, 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 and Timmy was, was, was an optimistic kid. He was glass half full. I mean, everything was hunky-dory with Timmy. You know, he was always happy and he was always glad. But Tommy was quite the opposite. Yes, they came out of the same room, but they could not be. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about. Completely different kid. Tommy was more of a pessimist. He was glass half empty. As a matter of fact, Tommy was the one that when everybody was having a good time, he would open up his mouth and whatever he said would just bring the whole mood of the room all the way down. And so one day, Timmy and Tommy's dad looked at both of them and he said, you know what, Timmy, I need to fill his room with a whole bunch of, uh, uh, of hay. I need to fill his room with a whole bunch of hay, nothing but hay, because Timmy needs to understand that life isn't all rainbows and sunshine. And then he said for Tommy's room, you know, the pessimist, the one that was more negative than most, he said for Tommy's room, I'm going to fill it with all the toys that a little boy could ever imagine. And so the day came where the boys came back home from school and Timmy went to his room and Tommy went to his room and then when the dad was walking past Tommy's room he heard a whole bunch of crying this is the room with all the toys in it so the dad was like why are you crying Tommy and then Tommy said dad I know as much as all of these toys are here and I like these toys I know it's only a matter of time before all of them break you know they must know my children and so he did, Tommy said it's only a matter of time before all my toys break but then as dad is talking to Tommy who's the pessimist, he hears in the next room his twin brother, who's the glass half full kid, the positive kid, he hears laughing in Timmy's room. And ain't nothing but hay in Timmy's room. And so dad walks on over to Tim's room and says, Tim, what's going on, homie? Why you in here cracking up? Ain't nothing but hay in this room. And then Timmy said, yeah, dad, I know. But as much hay is in this room, I just know there has to be a pony somewhere. And I wonder if some of you have made it up to November 2020 and you said as much as calamity is around me and as much war is going on and as much people are struggling and as much sickness is all around me, as much stuff as I'm going through, I know there's got to be a blessing somewhere. I know there's got to be a miracle somewhere. I know there's got to be a breakthrough somewhere. 
Because to know Jesus means that you're half full. To know Jesus means that you're always a prisoner of hope. To be with Jesus means that you're always looking for the come up. It means that you're always looking from the outside in at what's going on and saying, I'm going to pray about it. Why? Because I'm not in the middle of it. Because with me, all things are possible. Because with God, all things are possible. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because Jesus is in the boat. I don't have to worry about my children because Jesus is in the boat. I don't have to worry about my family because Jesus is in the boat. Because Jesus is in the boat. I don't have to have anxiety because Jesus is in the boat. I don't have to be depressed because Jesus is in the boat. Even when it looks terrible. Even when it looks daunting. Even when it looks terrifying. I can keep my mind in perfect peace because my mind is stayed on Jesus. If you got your mind on Jesus, give him a praise right now. I need to move on. Number one, he said, don't worry. Number two, he said, don't doubt. Number three, he said, don't fear. Everybody say, don't fear. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said that life is better understood backwards, but we have to live it forwards. In other words, when you get up in years and you look back on your life, you can see why things happened the way they happened. And, and you can see things a little bit better when you get further in life. But the thing about life is that you don't get to look at it yourself from that vantage point. You have to live your life forward. This is why we hold on to the unchanging hands of Jesus. Because he knows the end from the beginning, when the disciples hold Jesus up and ask, don't you care that we're going to drown? He responded to them with a question of his own. Why are you so afraid? Three times in this passage, Mark uses, uses the descriptive term great. The Greek expression of this term means mega, M-E-G-A, as in larger than large, bigger than big, greater than great. And the first time we see this term in the text, it's describing the storm. That it wasn't just your average storm, but it was, according to Mark, a mega, a mega storm. And then the second time we see this word mega or this word great is used to describe the level of calm that came over the wind and the sea. Great chaos then suddenly became great calm. This tells us, number one, when God shows up, it don't take forever to get the job done. But number two, the storm is great, therefore the calm is great. Why? Because God will never let your pain be greater than your peace. Mm -hmm. This isn't a political sermon, but as I meditated on this passage of scripture and I see how the conditions around the boat went from great chaos to great calm, given the time and season that we're in, I could all but notice how the leadership of this nation went from chaos and conflict to calm and compassion. So the first time we see the word great is used to describe the storm. Second time we see the word great is used to describe the calm. But the third time we see the word great... The third uses of the term great is used to describe the disciples' reaction to Jesus after this happened. Mark 4, verse 41, in the English standard, it says, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? So what matter of man is this, that even the wind and seas obey him? And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where everything changed for the disciples. When they saw who they were dealing with, they were forever changed. Great storm, great calm, great fear. Mega storm, mega calm, mega fear. Great opposition, great deliverance, great reverence. 
isn't that something that happens if you look at it systematically throughout your life? Great threat, great response from heaven, great appreciation on your part. And Jesus doesn't perform miracles just to show off. He performed miracles so that you will recognize who he is. What manner of man is this? Up to this point, the disciples saw Jesus do some amazing things. They saw him turn water into wine. They saw him heal Peter's mother-in-law. They saw him drive an evil spirit out of a man in Capernaum. They saw him cleanse a man with leprosy. They saw him heal a man with a withered hand. Up until this point, they saw Jesus heal a paralyzed man who was suspended from a ceiling. And, and we saw Jesus do amazing things up to this point. But this, what he did with the wind and what he did with the waves, this was different. What manner of man is this that even the wind and seas obey him? Every other miracle up to this point had to do with people. But now all of a sudden he's starting to mess with nature. What kind of man is this? The wind doesn't have ears to hear, yet it responds to his command. What kind of man is this the seas don't have a will to obey yet it bows before his presence what manner of man is this the fig tree doesn't have the pride to be embarrassed yet it shriveled up in shame after Jesus rebuked it what manner of man is this that nature obeys him what kind of man is this that even circumstances that's really what the storm was. It was a circumstance. And I'm here to let you know that God don't just handle people in your life, but God handles circumstances in your life. What manner of man? And what Jesus proved to the disciples on the boat that day was that though the storm is great, my God is greater. Come on, somebody. And what I believe that he has proven to the world this year is that though the virus is great, God is greater. So number one in our word today, we see number one, don't worry. Number two, don't doubt. Number three, don't fear. And my last and final point, number four, don't forget. And what is it that you don't need to forget? Don't forget that Jesus is in the boat. You see, the disciples were in the will of God. In verse 35, Jesus said, let's cross to the other side. So they got in the boat and began to cross to the other side. So they are right in the center of God's will. They did what Jesus told them to do. And not only are they in the will of God, but Jesus himself is in the boat with them, which made this boat literally the safest boat in the whole world. In fact, I will argue that there was no boat no home, nor, nor house, nor neighborhood that was any safer than this boat. Why? Because Jesus was actually physically on the boat. The disciples were in the will of God. They knew that they were in the will of God. Because if ever there was a sign that you were in the will of God, it would be in the fact that Jesus himself was in the boat with you. There was no doubt that they were in the will of God. If you told them that they were out out of God's will, they would have looked at you like something was wrong with you because there was no doubt that they were in the will of God. But the storm still came, but the wind still blew, but the waves still began to crash water into the boat, 
while they were obeying what Jesus told them to do, the storm still came. While they were in the will of God, the storm still came. And just in case you've ever had a storm show up in your life, and you immediately began to question if you were in the will of God, just in case you've ever had a storm pop up suddenly, and you wondered if God was even with you, please understand that the will of God cannot be predicated by the absence of opposition. Yes, he's still going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Yes, he's still going to open up doors that no man can close. Yes, my God is still going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. Just please understand that God isn't only concerned about your comfort, but God is primarily concerned about your calling and he's not going to put you where he wants you to be without you first being tested. He's not going to let you walk around with a testimony without first seeing a test. I'm telling you on today, I want to suggest to you that there is a blessing in the testing. I might not like it, but there's a blessing in the testing. God doesn't want you to come out of it the same way you went into it. The disciples got on the boat that day thinking that Jesus was one thing, but by the time they got off the boat, they saw Jesus in a whole new way. And that's what I'm saying to you, church. You came into 2020 thinking one thing, but before we get through these next couple months, you're going to come out of this year seeing that God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or think. They saw him more than they could have ever imagined. They saw him in a way that transcended their wildest dreams. They saw him do something that made them respond with awe, that made them respond with reverence. And I don't know about you, but I wonder if you made it to November 8th, 2020, and you said to yourself at some point this year, what manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? That other people are losing their job, but yet I haven't missed a meal. What manner of man is this? That people are falling out all over the place, yet here I am as healthy as I can be. What manner of man is this? That even circumstance obeys him. Even the winds obey him. What manner of a man is this? That even though it threatened my marriage, I see a path to victory. I see a path to deliverance. I see a path to joy unspeakable and full of glory. What manner of a man is this? That I don't have to worry about tomorrow. What manner of a man is this? That when I came into this year, I knew that I was blessed. But coming out of this year, I know that I am the byproduct of a miracle working God. What manner of man is this? That I can get all the way up to this year and still have a pep in my step. And still know that all things work together for my good. What manner of man is this? That I came into this year knowing that no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. But before I come out of this year, I'm going to know that he worked it out. Even when I 
couldn't see it, even when I didn't understand it. Therefore, I can say like never before that no weapon formed against me shall be able. Give God a praise if you know he's worthy. Bless the name of Jesus if you know he's sovereign. Give him glory. Well, everybody, I pray that that word was a blessing to you. In fact, I pray that it touched you the same way it touched me when I believe God gave it to me. Remember, our virtual New Year's Eve celebration is coming up very soon. It's going to be at 10.30 p.m. on Thursday, December 31st. We want to see you there. I would say we want to see you in the place, but you know what I mean. We want to see you online celebrating what God has done this year with us. And if there has been any year where we need to honor God for making it to the end of it, I think you would agree that it's 2020. So let's have a good time December 31st at 10.30 p.m. And don't forget that this is New Life Worship Center where you can come and receive the word, leave and experience the difference. I'm Pastor CJ, God bless you.